if you are convinced of an idea, just do it. Do not lose too much time with theory instead of it prototype your idea. Build somehow a minimal viable product and get feedback from your customer and the potential users. So work like an engineer and do not too much on theory. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind, Machines and the Gradient Ascent. Thanks that you tuned in again to listen and to learn. We are Avery and Uli, and we're super excited to welcome our today's genius mind, Roland Edel, the CTO of Siemens Mobility. Roland is convinced that if a company wants to succeed in the long term, sustained leadership in innovation and technology are crucially important. So we can't wait to start off this conversation with Roland and we will follow his motto right away. So let's just do it. Roland, we're very, very happy to have you with us today. Thanks for taking some time from your busy schedule to be the guest on our podcast. So how are you and where do we actually catch you at the moment? Yeah, hello. Thank you. First of all, hello, everybody. Currently, I'm in my home office as a lot of us in those exciting days, uh, doing well. However, missing in the meantime, all these personal contacts, uh, virtual one could maybe substitute partly, but not completely. But anyhow, we are looking forward to overcome this pandemic situation and we'll meet in future again. Yeah, I'm I'm missing so, so much the, the social interaction, even though I have quite some interaction with my wife suddenly. <laughs> so, But uh, Roland, to, to, back to topic, you have a truly impressive career and the commitment towards, you know, electrification and mobility. It seems, to, you know, that that's somehow the topic is also clear guiding principally falling, you know, through your past. Can you give us a bit? A realm about your past being, you know, you are very exposed now as a CTO. Was CTO always, you know, the target of aspirations, of responsibility you, you aspire to? Yeah, maybe to answer the last question first. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, but after my studies as an electrical engineer in Erlangen, yeah, until beginning of the 90s, yeah, I moved to Siemens. Yeah. In the beginning, I was in a system design department for uh, railway electrification. Uh. Today, you would say I developed a digital twin for railway electrification networks. Uh. Uh, <laughs> we know that one. <laughs> and together with this digital twin, because I was able with the first digital twin ever to calculate big and new greenfield projects. Uh, I had a lot of contact with major projects and the project managers and the customers. So I went to the sales department for, say, four years. Uh, to be there, a project and a bit manager. Yeah? And normally I'm joking after we lose some or the other bit, yeah? they promoted me to the head of bit and offers for all projects. Yeah? So, and then we were much more successful. So, but that's only a joke. Yeah? So, in beginning of the 2000, yeah, I was head of bit and offers for electrification projects. Yeah? where sometimes you have also contact and disputes with your engineering department, yeah, because normally sales and engineering are always a little bit in a discussion who should now be responsible for which phase and all these things. Yeah. So I was asked in 2003 whether I would like to take over the role of head of engineering, R&D, product management, 
in the beginning only for electrification and afterwards also for turnkey projects and maglev projects. Uh, however, in 2005, we have to close down the activities with maglev due to the loss of this Munich airport project. Uh. So I did this for the next six years until 2009. And in 2009, there was this new offer of, at that time, Heinrich Hiesinger and Dr. Grundmann uh, to be somehow the special responsibility for e-mobility of the industry sector. And also in that time, and coming back to your question on the CTO, whether this was my aspiration also in the beginning, uh, Requat, if somebody remember to Rick, what was the first in the managing board who named himself chief technology officer and he requested all business units to have a chief technology officer in each and every unit. So my bosses at that time told me, yeah, you should be our special responsible guy for e-mobility. And by the way, we have this request for Rick, so we need 5% of your time to be our CTO. So this was, the very <laughs> this was the very beginning of my CTO career. Yeah, but then this grew up. Yeah, and you know, our last CTO now was Roland Bush, who is now promoted to be our CEO. So in 2011, I became CTO of the complete division. And in 2015, additionally, I was promoted to the top innovator of Siemens and chief engineer transportation of Siemens company. So anyhow, yeah, I would say I was not starting for a career as CTO in Siemens. I was starting to get challenges and would like to solve challenges. Yeah, and this was during all these years my main aspiration, yeah, have a challenge and look for solutions. What a journey. Started started up with five percent. Well, like you just mentioned that we're facing very exciting, challenging times. But it's not only challenging from an economical point of view, but also personally, it's kind of difficult. So how do you and your team actually cope with the pandemic? And how do you stay optimistic? And how do you manage to keep pushing innovation in these times? Yeah, First of all, let me say priority one is in those days always our employees' health. And nothing is more important than the health of our employees uh, because we have a pandemic. Uh, and this has to be safeguarded by all of the managers uh, and also obviously by the employee themselves. I think what I've learned in this pandemic, uh, communication and also subsequent collaboration is key. This was already before the pandemic, but it's becoming more and more important during these virtual meetings and virtual collaboration. Uh, And therefore, we intensify, at least in my area of responsibility, but you could also say we intensify this for the complete mobility area, our regular communication on management level as well as on employee level, which is very important. Uh, why I'm staying optimistic in my complete life, I would not only say in my professional career, in my complete life, in principle for me, a glass is always half full and never half empty. So also that during the pandemic, I would say, I try to stress more the positive momentums and not so often the negative ones. However, we see and we recognizing currently on the one side somehow a higher productivity, maybe to be more focused while working remote, but also less creativity. And that's a hypothesis we have not proven yet, but we are thinking this less creativity is because of 
you are missing all these individual, personal and informal touch points, which are a good source for getting new ideas, new inventions, yeah, which then leads to new patterns and new innovations. All right. Talking about innovation, how do you actually see the role of electrification in the mobility area? So this is a topic that you've been highly devoted to and passionate about, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would say electrified propulsion was never invented in the railway domain because of environmental reasons or something like that. It was invented because it has the highest and the best efficiency and had at the same time the highest performance, so driving performance, yeah, and could therefore today save or also in the past save resources and not only natural resources, it saved resources anyhow, also money, yeah. And subsequent help us today to cope with all environmental challenges of our era. Uh, so using electrified systems is key for getting a sustainable society from my perspective. Yeah. The sustainability quest, right? And on the one side, you know, if you push and enable innovation in large corporations, it can be super crazy, right? Because it, it obviously it devotes and needs a lot of skills. With skills you develop somehow passion. But also you need a lot of perseverance, I guess, right? <laughs> and I admire after I followed along the story also, you know, when you no nominated Innovator and, and uh, you know, the story and the commitment you had on the e-highway initiative, right? And I was in first place when I saw it, I was puzzled like, uh, that's a, that sounds like a lunatic idea, right? In terms of digitalization efforts and stuff like that. On, on the other side, it's pretty awesome, straightforward, right? And I thought like it's super interesting. Can you guide us a bit through this journey and how the story actually started? And, you know, from, from tuning to, you know, how your baby actually arose, right? Can you guide us a bit through? Okay, Uli. Maybe as you mentioned this promotion to be one of the top innovators of Siemens, yeah? And that's, from my perspective, very important. Maybe e-highway is one of my most prominent examples of innovations, but it's not the only one. So there are a couple of innovations yeah, which I and my teams developed during my professional career. Yeah. But coming back to this e-highway topic, yeah, if you consider the arguments I gave for why is electrification so important, yeah, um, On the one hand, and on the other hand, not all goods can be transported by only one mode of transport, for example, by railway or by ship or also by on road. Yeah? I had 15 years ago, I would say the idea, if not all goods can come to the railway, then we bring this good railway technology to the goods and to the transport on road which means we are electrifying our major roads like we did in the railway where we electrified our major railway lanes. Yeah? And so we could leverage all the advantages of this railway technology also for road transport. That was the idea. Exciting. So you already mentioned a couple of advantages of the e-highway, but what's the main customer value proposition and at what stage are we currently in the implementation and pilot process throughout the whole world? Yeah, I would say the major value proposition, as I mentioned a little bit in the earlier answers, I would say for heavy good transport, 
you could re get a system with an extreme high efficiency of nearly 90% compared to an efficiency for diesel engines of approximately 40% today. Uh, and at the same time, you avoid local emissions as well as CO2 emissions. And you have, again, the most powerful propulsion systems. You have already with starting the truck, yeah, you have full power at the wheel. Yeah? And if you ever drove an electric car, yeah, you have the same performance feeling if you drive an electric truck. And all these together yeah, are, I would say, the value proposition for our truck forwarder. Yeah? Coming to the next question, where we are currently in the implementation in the pilot phase, yeah, together with our vehicle partners, Kanya, who is a member of the Trayton Group, which is former Volkswagen commercial vehicles, yeah, we developed the e-highway up to now to a state where you now can scale it up. Today, highway authorities in Germany are already operating some dozens of kilometers e-highway on A1 in the north in Schleswig-Holstein, as well as on A5 in Hesse near Frankfurt, and have impressively, these authorities demonstrated that the feasibility of the system, also on highly frequented motorways like German Autobahn, is possible. Additionally, in the United States, near Los Angeles or in Los Angeles and in Sweden, we passed successful trials in the recent years. Uh, and several other countries throughout Europe and also the world are interested and have at least conducted some studies on the topic uh, and are now look, wait and see what happened with our current operated trials uh, and will maybe jump also on this topic. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's, it's heavy infrastructure, isn't it? Right. So a bit of, <laughs> so if you consider corporates always, always need scale, right. And they ask for scale. And then that means, you know, what, what is needed actually that, you know, the e-highway concept as today piloted and field trials are large scale rolled out. Right. And it's always pretty crazy uh, across as let's say country level. Right. Even so, if you have, you know, in Germany, maybe a good fundament, uh, right. Or in a certain country, right. What is needed in order to scale that cross-border, right? Um, because you need this infrastructure, it needs agreement, it might, might also support, right, from European countries to implement that, right? That ain't that easy. What, what is needed here? Coming again from the railway history, uh, also there, the first electrified railways were island solutions. Uh, they were there and there and not connected, yeah, and not throughout Europe or throughout the world. So we see here maybe a similar landscape finally. Yeah? So we will have more or less some islands. Yeah? And then we, we are looking forward to connect the islands and have a complete network. Yeah? According to the current plan and agreed concepts of the German Transport Ministry, we should see during the next five years, yeah? until mid of the 20s, we should see several hundred kilometers of e-highway on German Autobahn on so-called Pendelstrecken, uh, which means uh, lanes where you have trucks running up and down, uh, which should then, if successful, be extended until end of the decade, until 2030, to an overall network of 4,000 kilometers in operation 2030, and maybe then being further extended in the following decade. So that's, that is Germany. Now somebody could argue only Germany, though this is a national solution. No, it is not. Other interested European countries are currently watching heavily the selection process in Germany as well as in Sweden, uh, where we are in the middle of such a similar process. 
as they do not want to initiate in their countries different systems, yeah, which would result in, a non, in non-compatibilities like we had in former times for the railways. So for this target, yeah, or to, I would say, to support this target to have one standard, at least through Europe, we have already initiated a respective European working group yeah, for defining a common standard for the so-called electrical road systems. Right. You just mentioned Europe, and Europe also has very ambitious pl- ambitious plans right now towards hydrogen-based economy, including the transport sector. Why do you think that the e-highway is still a solution one should really consider? As already said, yeah, under the precondition yeah, that our electrical energy is in future 100% renewable, you have no CO2 at all running the truck below in an e-highway system, yeah? which will save alone for Germany approximately 10% of all transport-related CO2, which means you could save 15 million tons of CO2 out of the 150 million tons of CO2 currently produced by the road transport. Yeah? And similar numbers you could see worldwide. Yeah? So it's not the only solution or the only system which will save our climate, yeah, but it's one important topic. Mm, sounds reasonable. So technology is constantly changing. What would you say is the role of technology development and how can it be incorporated into the e-highway solution? This hydrogen topic is always a discussion why we need a next system or Two systems, yeah, I always answer on that or reply on that. The direct usage of electricity without losses due to charging or even conversion. Because if you charge a battery, you lose while you charge. And again, while the battery is giving you the energy back. Uh, and the same is with conversion. You convert, first of all, electrical energy to hydrogen and then hydrogen in the fuel cell again back to electricity. So the direct usage, like we developed it in the railway more than 100 years ago, has the highest efficiency by far. A propulsion system based on hydrogen or fuel cells would need more than three times renewable energy than an e-highway system, which results obviously in more needed windmills or solar power plants and subsequent uh, multiplied higher cost of operation. Therefore, from my perspective, E-highway is on a road section with that high throughput where you have a lot of trucks using it. It's the most economic solution. Whereas, and this is very important now, uh, fuel cell power trucks have their legitimation from my perspective there where you have low traffic density and you could not justify an e-highway infrastructure. So you need the smart combination of both. And can, can you give us a bit of what, what's the technology basis, you know, different technology on the e-highway construct? Can you give us a bit of, you know, what kind of technology pieces and components are needed in order to operate an e-highway solution? Yeah, okay. For an e-highway solution, anyhow, I would say it's common sense. You need, in future, you will have electrical propulsion systems in each and every truck. If you have not the long distances, you could supply the electricity via battery on the truck. If the distance becomes too high and you have enough trucks on a highway or on the road, then you could have the e-highway infrastructure. So the parts of the e-highway infrastructure, you could say, is a 
connection to the national supply authority grid and then the conversion from AC electricity to DC to direct current energy and then feed it in in a contact line, the next part of the e-highway system. And then you need the pantograph on the truck to draw the energy from the contact line to the truck itself. That is the next part. yeah. And where you have not this high throughput and it makes no sense yeah, to supply via a contact line yeah, because you have two less trucks on the road, you will take hydrogen yeah, and combine this with a pantograph truck. That's the idea. And so if you combine now this e-fuel batteries, which you could also use e-fuels, pure e-highway trucks together with fuel cell trucks, you have always the best solution for the individual truck forwarders operating concept. Uh, because we have to come from our client and not from our company's view. Our client needs the most economic solution for its use for his use case. And if the use case is only have 200 kilometer range per day, he could use a battery truck. Uh, if he need bigger range and he is normally operating this on motorways with a lot of trucks, he could use the cheap electricity via the overhead contact line. And if he, he is located somewhere in the middle of nowhere, where there is no e-highway infrastructure and there will never be one built, yes, then he needs maybe hydrogen because he needs long range and have no direct usage of electricity via e-highway. There is a nice saying, ecosystem beats strategy, right? Yes. <laughs> sort of, what, what is the role of, you know, the ecosystem partners in the e-highway initiative? You know, how is it perceived? I guess you have different stakeholders, your political bodies, right? The customers, the users, but also the enablement. What, what's the role of the ecosystem in, in, on the e-highway initiative? I would say having the idea on an e-highway, uh, you have not in mind you need an ecosystem. And to be honest, uh, having this idea in my mind 15 years ago, uh, if I would have known at that time what I know today, maybe I would have never started it, despite the fact that I'm normally optimistic. However, it was a very interesting journey uh, during these 15 years. And I would say when we started uh, concrete development, you could say some 10 years ago, 2010, we started with the development. Yeah, We recognized relative fast that such an endeavor could only be successful in an appropriate ecosystem. So we make our minds up who we should invite to this ecosystem. So we invited the truck forwarder to be more precise, the associations of the truck forwarder. Yeah? We invited the car manufacturer, so the truck manufacturer, energy suppliers, road administration authorities, environmental protection organizations, I would say, universities, institutes, and all these, they should be part of the initiative, not our suppliers. They should be part of the initiative. They should also have constructive criticism on the system yeah, because this brings you forward. And this led to a community in the meantime, I would say, which I would name today as self-learning, lateral supporting, maybe also co-promoting environment. And therefore, we are well recognized by German and other governments, which resulted here in Germany, especially in the consideration of e-highway and the respective governmental plans. Yeah? 
And also the truck forwarder as our potential users are already included in our ecosystem because they are operating the trucks on the current trials. And they are waiting now for a larger rollout of the system to get all the advantages as I already described. Wow, sounds exciting. Well, and you have pushed and seen so many fascinating and challenging initiatives. Are there some lessons that you've learned that you could share with young entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs who dare to push innovations in and outside the corporation? Good question. Yeah, to make maybe the answer short and simple, yeah, if you are convinced of an idea, just do it. Do not lose too much time with theory. Instead of it, prototype your idea, build somehow a minimal viable product and get feedback from your customer and the potential users. So work like an engineer and do not too much on theory. That's a good advice. Have you ever been given a really bad advice that you, you want to share here? So was there something somebody told you which turned out to be crap and totally wrong? What I would like to avoid is always these guys. And this was it's not only coming from my professional career as CTO or with innovations. It's also coming from this professional career doing big projects in the sales department. Yeah? There are some people out there, yeah, not only in Siemens. They are also sitting on customer side, on authority side, on governmental side. They always would like to know what will happen in the very, very end. So you could discuss in theory what will happen with this e-highway system in 2050 or even later, yeah? but then you will never start. These guys normally give you always the wrong advice yeah? because they are somehow the guys who would like to, they are maybe too cautious, yeah? I don't know, too careful. Yeah? Uh, from their perspective, from my perspective, they are hindering the process. Yeah, that's true. Just get kick-started, right? Let's learn, explore the capacity before exploiting the further, uh, you know, uh, businesses uh, down there. And get practical experience, get feedback from the market, yeah? all these topics. Yeah? And this is also for digitalization through or for other products. Yeah? It's, I would say for every endeavor, it's true. Start it yeah? and do not too much theory. Roland, I have to ask one question, obviously, and maybe this reflects to that, right? Uh, but I can't get out of, uh, you know, having, having you, uh, you uh, there's a lot of hype on autonomous driving, level five, right? And everybody, you know, it seems to be different time horizons. Are you there to give us an estimate when will public transportation or the, let's say, you know, self-driving vehicles will be level five ready. Is that something, do you want to, do you have an estimate or you don't have to, right? Difficult question, yeah. Uh, I would say I would agree with the chief developing engineer of the Google car. Well, he was uh, he was also asked the question, I think some years ago, uh, two years ago, three years, I'm not sure. Yeah. And I would completely agree with his answer. Yeah. He said at that time, on good roads, With good weather and environmental conditions, we can do it already today. And on each road, under each weather conditions, we need maybe another 30 years. Three, zero. Yeah. So this is a development we will see for the next decades. It's not nothing you could say like, okay, e-highway is something you knew at that time. It will last maybe 10 years. But the 10 years for e-highway was not only the development of the technology, 
It was also the development of the complete ecosystem, getting all these people together, getting governments behind the concept. And now we see in the second decade, because the first decade was all these development stuff, yeah? in the second decade, we will see whether it will scale up. For autonomous driving, we will see maybe in the beginning some isolated schemes, yeah, like we see with Google Car or with this small mini buses somewhere, yeah. But then maybe this also will connect together, but there is a lot of way to go. Right. Roland, we are almost at the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all your exciting insights. But before we finish this session, we want to play our final game, Authentic Autocomplete, with you. So let me give you for the closing a couple of sentence starters and you will just finish. Let's do it, right? Yep. So Siemens is. I would say the employer who gave me the freedom to realize a lot of innovative ideas during the now nearly 30 years of my professional career. I like that. E-mobility is. One important cornerstone is already mentioned in this interview for a sustainable transportation system in the future. Right. My favorite quote is. Just do it. Just do it. That's <laughs> <Sure. laughs> really like that, right? COVID has taught me. Said many things are overestimated and what are the basic values? Beautiful. And now the last one, which is actually quite tough. So if I could invent a rule for everyone in the world to follow, it would be. Okay, I make my mind up and I would say you can do what you want to do as long as you're doing serve society. That looks like a, a decent rule. Thank you so much, uh, Roland, for, for sharing your thoughts and giving it a time. I know it's, it's super, super tough for you, you know, squeezing in, but uh, we really appreciate the time. And I think uh, we have to come back. Uh, we have to reassess our discussion and continue, actually, our discussion because I love the, the passion, I love the energy you, you're sending over. And folks out there, stay tuned. There's a lot of more. I don't know what, but there is a more to come. Stay bold, committed, and open-minded, and we hear us at the next Siemens Airlab podcast. Thanks, Roland. Thank you, both of you.